Welcome to the Tulsa Music Stream. And now, your host, Scott and Janice Squires. You want the dirt? You've got it. Hey everyone, it's thank God it's Friday, right? Yes, thank Amen God. Into that, it's Friday, and it's a uh, almost two p.m. two p.m. on Friday, Central Time. Central Time. Yes. That's right. And this is episode ninety-five, and we'll be joined with Dave the Snake Sabo uh, from Skid Row, uh, guitar player, ult- ultimate great rock rock god, legend. I mean, yeah, legend. Uh, make sure if you guys are watching on YouTube to uh, hit that subscribe button and um, also hit like on this episode. It, it always helps the uh, the artist, uh, helps promote them, and we appreciate all of that. And as well as uh, share our Facebook uh, page and our Twitter account. We are at TUL at Music Stream, right? No. <laughs> Something like that, at TUL Music Stream. Yeah, is there you go. It? Yeah, okay. it is. Okay. Uh, we're also on a, a podcast uh, platform like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more, and as well as uh, TikTok, Instagram, and we also put out shorts on our YouTube page. So um, come out and check all of our platforms out. We'd really appreciate it. It's true. Scott's not lying about any of that. Thank you guys for joining. We know that it's going to be tough for uh, some of you to watch this live since it is in the middle of a workday afternoon. But don't fret because you can always see the replay. Uh, like Scott said, all of our all of our uh, audio, you know, not audio. Plat- you can hear the audio on our podcast platforms. You can see the video on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and Twitch, whether it be live or replay. It's it's always available for you to watch it there. We're awaiting Snake's arrival. Um, these guys have been doing a lot of media lately, and for good reason. Their new album, well, I can't believe, that's what I was going to tell him, I can't believe it's already been out for a one year. One year, and one year anniversary. Just, just past the one year mark, um, it is a fantastic album. We can't wait to talk to him about the creating process of that, how it all came together, working with the produ- the producer that they worked with. This was their first one in 16 years, first studio album in 16 years, so... I know those guys were excited not only to create it, but get it out to the public. And it has been very well received. Um, So needless to say, everybody should go out there and pick up a copy if you haven't. We'll put this up here. It's the gang's all here. It is solid. I tell you, that's October song. Man, I would put that right up there with... uh, uh, you know, there are other great epic ballads like Quicksand Jesus. You know, or, I don't consider those ballads, though. Well, okay, I'm going to talk to him about what, like, what's, what's they're the like, right they're, word? They're like mysterious. Epics. You know, and they put like your hairs up on your arms. Yes, you know? they do. And All of them. And they're really good about They're really good about that. You know, right. It's like they got three elements in, the, in their music or their songs. You know, they got their their hard hitting rockers like, you know, Youth Gone Wild and yeah. and um, uh, Slave to the Grind. And then they got their I Remember You's and, and 18 and Lives and stuff like that. But then they have the, uh, you know, the darkened room and their yeah. wasted time and, right. and, and their All that uh, stuff you know it, eileen is off of their uh, uh uh gosh what album was that uh, uh anyway their uh subhuman race album. yes yes uh 
And then the, this one, like you said, the October song is just Ooh, amazing. And what a powerful song, powerful chord. I mean, the, the writing is so good. I can't wait to get into that with him. We are awaiting his arrival. Let's put up the fan chat screen. So some of you guys have managed to make it in here. You're probably playing hooky from work. We applaud that. That's that's brave. <laughs> but anyway, Larry Ford, good to see you in here. He says, wish Skid Row and Bach could meet in the middle and play together. I don't know, bro. I, I, I don't know that that's ever going to happen. Um, you know, he's been asked that. All the guys have been asked that question a million times. It seems like they just want to move forward uh, you know, with Eric and kind of be done with that. But I hear you. I think a lot of people do pine for that. And Snake is coming in the room as we speak. All so right. we will await we him to get uh, hooked up to his audio and video. Stand by. He's, He's a professional. Be, he is totally professional. Hey. What's going on, Snake? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. I'm going to put you on screen here. Uh, we are broadcasting live right now on on various platforms. Uh, the reason we go live is we like to have a viewer, viewer interaction so they can sometimes chime in with some questions and comments for you. But first of all, thank you for joining us today on Tulsa Music Stream. It's really good to see you. We were just bragging on you guys. Uh, it's Man, it's so hard to believe that uh, it's already been a little bit over a year that you guys released The Gang's All Here. This was your sixth studio album, the first one featuring Eric Gronwall on vocals. And your first album in 16 years. Let's talk <laughs> for, that's crazy, man. Let's talk first about the creative process of writing the album. And then we want to know your experience recording it in Nashville and working with producer Nick Raskalanix. I hope I've said that properly. Yeah, no, you did well. That's Thanks. not an easy name to pronounce. <laughs> I'm, I'm Polish and I can't pronounce it. <laughs> we'll just but, call um, him Nick. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it was a, it was a long uh, arduous yet fulfilling um, process for, I think, for all of us. Um, we started working on the record, probably like writing and, and, and jamming on it, probably two, two or three years before we got to the point where we were actually recording the record as, as you know it to be now. Um, we were working with Michael Wagner, who is, I mean, the guy's amazing. He's yeah, our sure. brother. He's our brother. And, and, uh, we were working with, uh, ZP at the time too. And for whatever reason, um, the songs just weren't where we wanted them to be. Um, uh, for on, on all, um, accounts, uh right the writing of them uh the performing of them it just it wasn't working to to what we had envisioned in our in our heads and then for uh, a number of reasons we decided to um stop stop the the project there um and and make some changes and and that was when we felt that while we had a great relationship with with Z and and he's a really good guy and and obviously a very talented singer, it just wasn't right for this material. Right, and we went through a lot of different machinations of tr attempting to make it work, where we all felt good about it. But I think we all felt the same way that it was, it was okay, but it wasn't 
it wasn't it wasn't all the way there where we needed it to be um and so we took a step back started working on rewriting a bunch of stuff um we met nick rasculinitz and and nick had uh expressed an interest that he wanted to do a skid row record rachel had actually uh ran into him in nashville and nick's a jersey guy so that instantly you bond over stuff like that yeah. um i didn't realize i had this on sorry oh, you're and, uh, you got that uh, three o'clock sun coming in oh yeah dude it's <laughs> I, I i love where we live anyway um the uh when we met with we met Nick and he expressed such a desire to, to want to do a Skid Row record and and his uh, thoughts behind how he wanted to accomplish that. We were all in. We're like, okay. And it kind of gave us a newfound sense of uh, electricity, like this exhilaration of uh, wanting to tackle this uh, in, from a different viewpoint. Yeah. And he's so accomplished. Uh, his resume speaks for itself. And so uh whether it's hailstorm or the foo fighters or stone sour or alice in chains or rush uh or uh mastodon i mean the list goes on and on yeah and so to have a guy like that who's really really interested in not only doing a record with you but he's well versed in your history and has a very clear idea of the record he wants to make uh we so we set about to do it to do that and in the process of doing that, it became clear that we were going to need to make a change uh, vocally. Uh, it just, the, the songs that were being created, we are now becoming very excited with the songs, but it just wasn't working with, with Z singing them. Um, and I, I honestly, I don't know why. He's got a great voice. Uh, and like I said, he's a really good guy and we had a lot of fun together, but we realized that if we were to take this next step with this record, it was going to have to be with somebody else. Right. Yeah. We, so we, now, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Scott. Oh, uh, we, 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 you know, we were out, we were out there at Key West and, and, and saw your performance out there at Rock Island Fest and, and he did an amazing job. He had a great look and he had that long black hair and everything. So I was, I was actually surprised when you guys did, uh, replace him. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't anything like there wasn't no ill will at all. Uh, it wasn't had any had nothing to do other than what we were hoping to accomplish in our heads with this record and in our hearts. We were getting there with the lineup as it was, and so we were aware. Eric was on our radar because we had had numerous people. Uh, come up to us and inform uh, inform us of him and you know his history with eighteen life and Swedish Idol and everything like that and that was uh, uh, that was a while back we were made aware of we you know a bunch of people that we trusted in 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 the music business would come up to us and say you know we know that you guys are cool and have everything together but if something ever happens there's this guy and we heard that on more than one occasion and. So and it it was apparent it was abundantly clear that we needed to make a change. Now, mind you, we had recorded the the most of the music for the record, so we were making this change kind of in the middle of of the album, wow. which was a, a fairly daunting uh, task, simply because 
we had no one in mind really and we had this record that we needed to finish and we also had uh shows booked with the scorpions in vegas and we're like man we gotta figure something out quick right so the first thing we did was you know uh was reach out to eric because of we all we had been paying attention to what he had been doing online and uh he had uh did like a revisited the song 18 life again a, a couple years prior and it was he did such a great job and so we reached out to him and and but we didn't reach out to him and say hey you want to join the band we reached out to him and we were like uh, hey, we've got some songs that we wrote. We'd love to hear what you sounded like and or sound like on them if you're interested. And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Send them over. Come to find out that his wife immediately said, you know, they're auditioning you, dude. <laughs> it and, took the wife to tell him, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she knew immediately. God love her. And yeah. so after that, uh, we got uh, one track back, which was The Gang's All Here. And we all kind of... We received it, and we all kind of were texting each other, like, uh, "Is this for real? Is this really like this good?" Because this is exactly what we were hearing in our heads. Yeah. But we were so uh, cautious because we knew we were making a tremendous leap, but we also knew that was, you know, there was an urgency. So we sent them, uh, an, I think, one or two more songs, and he sent them back, uh, and they were great. They were great. Everybody agreed. We felt really great. And so we got on a Zoom call with them and we're like, do you want to, uh, you want to join the band? Wow. <laughs> and he would put his head down and we all thought he was going to be like, oh man, I'm just too busy. I got this, I got that. And obviously with his, with his health issues as well. Um, and then uh, he just lifted his head up and he goes, I'd be honored. And I was wow. like, Told Rachel and I were both like, this is, this is too good to be true. And so we had to finish up the record quickly. And so he sang eight of the 10 songs remotely from Stockholm, going back and forth via uh, like Zoom, like we're doing or, or whatever it is. And uh, with Nick Raskill and it's in Nashville. And so at the end of the day, we'd come in and we'd listen to what he had done and make suggestions, but uh, there wasn't really much to suggest. I mean, right. he, he got it. Like he inherently got it. Uh, and so uh, it was a really, uh, it wasn't a painstaking process after that. It ran really smooth. And then we flew him over to the States because we had to do the Scorpion shows and that started, I want to say, uh, was it was it it was either March twenty second or April twenty second? I can't quite recall of last year. But we uh, flew him over. We hung out with him for two days, rehearsed for two days, and played our first show. So we only knew him for you know, only hung out with him for really four days, um, and it was it, it was a, an incredible experience because it was very very natural and everyone just wasn't forced to get along we all just got along right and so that just it was very inspiring and then hearing his story with his his uh cancer and him beating the cancer and everything that went into that and 
the ongoing aftercare that goes into that. It's really incredible what this dude has been able to accomplish and pull off. Yeah, uh, It's hard enough going on a road uh, and traveling the way we do when your body's healthy. Yes. When you're recovering from leukemia and you've had um, bone marrow transplant, essentially you have a brand new immune system, which is you know, that of a, of a child essentially, and it's growing, but it's still very fragile. Yeah. I mean, what, what might be a common cold to you and I could be disastrous to him. Sure. And so you're learning all these things and yet you watch this guy on stage and, and you go, you would never know. You would never know that this, this guy is a cancer survivor and he's been through, you know, a myriad of, of, uh, therapies and treatments and stuff. And so it's just, um, uh, I'm, I'm extremely proud of him and, and, and very inspired by, by who he is as a person. Yes. Go ahead. Did you, did you guys, even though it's, I know it's inspiring and, and it's uplifting to see him, but as a business, as a band, were you guys concerned, you know, with like, you know, should we, you know, put him through this should, you know, was this going to hurt? You know, we're going to go, you know, have to look for another <laughs> singer, all these different things. I'm sure. Well, the, 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 we, we didn't, we just thought about the, the moment, the, the, the immediacy of the situation that we're in. Yeah. Um, and we got really lucky. Uh, I see what he puts himself through every night on stage, and I know it cannot be easy. And so we're learning as we go along of how we adjust um, as individuals and as a band to make sure he's healthy and uh, and productive for you know for for his family and for his future. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of adjustments you, you you make accordingly as you move along. Um, and so, yeah, we're still, we're still learning. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit. So I know you guys have a string of dates here in the States starting in December and those go through early March. And then let's put this up on the screen. This, it, this is going to be the third leg of the Gangs yeah. All Here tour with Buck Cherry. And that'll be in Canada and then back here to the States. And, and as you're, you're telling the story of Eric and his health, how, how is he currently feeling? Is, is he feeling pretty strong these days and ready to get yeah, going on this leg? He's actually, yeah, he's feeling really strong. And okay. he's, uh, he's in great spirits. I talked to him this morning. Um, you know, oh, what dates are those? Oh, those are for next year. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the third leg. That's, oh no no you don't you don't have the ones that we're doing starting December. Well no I just I was going to kind of briefly mention those but I, I I mainly brought up the third leg because I knew you guys had postponed this because of you know his health concerns and I just yeah. we're we're of course hoping to see more dates get added for later in twenty four and hoping that he's cruising along you know feeling really good these days. Yeah, I th like I said, it, it's a learning it's a learning process sure. for all of us. I mean, you know, we're virtual strangers when we first met, and yeah. all we knew was each other's some somewhat of each other's history. Uh, but you know, uh, you have to be you have to be getting to know that person uh, on a daily basis if it's possible, and in order to 
to understand what they go through physically and emotionally. Yeah. Um, we all have to do that with each other, though, too. But obviously, his situation is much more serious than uh, anything that we've had to go through as individuals within right. the structure of the band. Right. So we're uh, again, we're, we 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 attempt to uh, be really, really uh, cognizant of what he's gone through, and what he continues to go through, because yeah. at the end of the day. And this is the this is the truth, and this goes for everybody. Your family and your health are first and foremost. Yes. And then everything else comes after that. Whether it's your you know your your occupation, your livelihood, your spirituality, whatever that may be, in whatever order that may lie, but your family and your your family and your health come first. Yeah. And so. Uh, this is a brand new situation for all of us. Uh, so we're, we're figuring it out as we go along. We wish you guys well, definitely. You know, we, ah, thank you. We got the email that, uh, you know, we were, uh, you were going to be available for the two, for two, two o'clock central time. So we, we had immediately do some research on you last night. And the first thing that popped up when I, I typed in skid row was yard barker. And it said twenty greatest greatest hair metal bands, and you guys landed at number nine. <laughs> ha, that's anyway, pretty cool. Yeah, four decades of Skid Row. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, four decades. I, look, dude. I I honestly, you know, when 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 you're putting a band together and you're you're young and you're you know full of piss and vinegar and um. You just can't believe that you actually get to play music for a living. Like, right. you, you know, like, oh, my God, I get to quit my job and actually play and make a record and hopefully go on tour to some degree. And so when we were when we were rehearsing early on in the garage, I mean, we Rachel and I met in 85 wow. and started the band right then. And then it fell more together in 86 and then uh, finalized in 87. But when we were doing that and we were in the garage with a propane or kerosene heater in the middle of December, January, February, and you're freezing your ass off and you just, you're playing six hours a night, eight hours a night, whatever Rachel's parents would allow us to do. And they were so great that we, did whatever we wanted because they were such supporters mm. um but you 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 dream of selling a lot of records and going on tour and playing in front of thousands and thousands of people and all that stuff is a part of the dream yeah. well the reality for us was while that of course was part of the dream the reality was we just wanted to be able to make music and play music for a living sure so we hope that our first record would sell enough records that we can make a second record. Yeah. And I, that's really what the, what the, the, the true goal was. Of course, there's these uh, grandiose wishes and thoughts and everything like that. And then lo and behold, you know, your record sells, I don't know, five, six, seven million records and, you're able to make another record and then some, and this has turned into uh, a career <laughs> and it never gets lost on us. We, we, we address it pretty much every night on stage, how fortunate we are 
that and how humbled we are that after all this time um we still get to do this for a living and that's really it's an incredible gift yes, uh is. that we've been given uh and, and we don't we don't take that lightly at all you know we still get the same feeling of looking out in an audience and hearing them and seeing them sing back lyrics to songs that you helped create like that's that's crazy, man. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we're we're a bunch of dudes from New Jersey, uh, little towns, working class upbringings, lower middle class. You know, uh, barely had a pot to piss in. You know, it's a story not unlike a lot of other artists, uh, but nonetheless, that's ours. And and um, to be able to go on this journey for the last you know thirty seven years. 38 years uh, has been nothing short of, of uh, a miracle and, and, and a gift. Um, so we still get blown away by all of it. Uh, the fact that people still come to our shows and the fact that people have reacted so positively to this new record and, yeah. and to Eric and uh, we're just really, really lucky people. And uh, you know, we, we, we have tremendous amount of gratitude and, and and we we treat this whole thing with such a massive amount of respect for the the audience that is stuck with us and the and some of the new and obviously you know new people that are discovering us or being turned on to us by their you know their parents or their older brothers and sisters whatever the case may be yeah. uh but it's you know uh, even though the music business has changed so drastically there's still a music business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No you know, you can still go out there and play these songs. At least we can. And, and, you know, I don't think we could be more thankful, but. I think that it, attitude is, you know, it, you guys have had so much staying power because of that attitude. I think your fan base picks up on the fact that you guys are, you're one of us and, and, you know, and we relate to that and we latch onto that. And that's, that's why you guys have sustained for this long. And we just, we, we as fans appreciate your humility. I'm going to switch gears on you again. Let's talk about this character. There's, there's the guy. So we, you know, anybody who's followed eighties rock should know who doc McGee is. And we know he was a key figure in helping you guys in, in your early days. I have a two-part question for you about him. What do you think was some of the best advice Doc gave you guys that you took and it worked out great? And then on the flip side, what was some advice he gave you all that you didn't take and maybe you wish you had? Well, what there's a lot of answers to those questions from different perspectives. Um, as a band, he told us very early on um, that you, your band has to be representative of who you truly are. Don't be somebody else's band. Mm-hmm. Be who you truly are. Find your true self, and that's your band. Um, and that was that was advice given to us by him, uh, by John Bon Jovi as well. Um, because you want to be all things to everyone when you're first starting out. Right. Uh, I want to be, 
you know, I want to be uh, uh, Randy Rhodes. I want to be Eddie Van Halen. I want to be Joe Perry. I want to be you know, Michael Shanker. I want to be Ace Frehley. Uh, I want to be Kiss. I want to be Aerosmith. Uh, you know, mm. all things to everybody. Well, the the trick is is to take all of those things and to make them your own. And I know it's been said a bazillion times, but it's really true. You take what other people have done, people that you admire, songs that you love, uh, you know, and, and I was lucky enough to have a, a great musical education growing up, having four older brothers playing everything from uh, from uh, Motown to Elvis to Little Richard to Otis Redding to the Beatles, Black Sabbath. I mean, it goes on and on. I was raised with this uh, myriad of, of musical influences, and they all played a huge part in helping develop who I am as a musician and a songwriter and ultimately uh, what I bring to the table within Skid Row. But Doc, Doc also sat there and, and said, uh, he was the guy who initially said, you know, I love your songs. Can't stand your singer, our original singer, mm -hmm. uh, before Sebastian. And he's like, love the songs. You got to get a singer, and he's got to be a star. He goes, yeah. you just can't have a guy that just sits there and sings the songs and sings the lyrics. You got to have somebody who's bigger uh, than that and and can can sing these songs with believability and and uh, and you know and heart and soul. Yeah. And that's what happened. We were we were we were very lucky. Uh, we had and we had a good run with the original lineup. Um, yeah. One of the things that Doc taught me too, because you know I got into uh, artist management as well, and uh, working with Doc and and Doc's younger brother Scott on a bunch of different artists. One of the bands that uh, I managed uh, and, and still do, although they haven't done anything, is a band called Down with uh, with Philip Anselmo and Pepper yeah. Keenan, yeah. Kirk Winston. So when when I, I was always a fly on the wall watching Doc and Scott work while we were on tour, and, um, and I also had done a lot of research on my own. I, I didn't want to be the dumb guitar player in the corner who didn't understand the uh, the lingo of the of the business of music. Right. And so I wanted to be able to be in a meeting with Ahmed Erdogan and Doc McGee and. Doug Morris and Scott McGee. And I wanted to understand the terminology and what it all meant and be be a contributor to my own future from a business standpoint. And one of the things I noticed about Doc is that everybody loved and loves Doc. Yes. Just do. He's got that personality. And one of the big things that I believe that uh, I, I I think that I had always inherently in me due to my upbringing of my, you know, my mom raised me and, and was taught me about humility and gratitude and, and, and chivalry, if you will. And uh, uh, just being uh, uh, living as much as you can in the moment and being extremely grateful for everything that has been bestowed upon you. And one of the things that Doc showed me and brought out of me was to treat every, not only with respect, treat everybody with respect, but treat, especially in a negotiation or something like that, yeah. treat that person as a partner, not as an adversary. Right. Don't look at them uh, with your fists up. 
look at them as if you're going to give them a hug. Sure. And, and I love that. Me too. I love that because to me that was like, yeah, man, like this is not all about me and it's not all about you. It's about what can we do together to do something great? And I love that. Uh, he, he, that's the way he always was with Skid Row. Same thing with his brother, Scott. And then when I started getting into manage later, management later on in life, I, that stuck with me. And and so everybody I worked with and, and that I still work with, they're all uh, they're all, I consider them friends and, and I work with them because I want to see them be successful yes. and I want to make sure that they, I can help them hopefully avoid pitfalls that maybe I encountered right. uh, or that I've seen other people encounter. And, sure. and then, you know what the, to be honest with you, and people probably think I'm ignorant for saying this, but the money is secondary. I always believed from day one that if you put in the work and it's quality work and you're putting in your heart and soul and you're owning it, uh, you're not, you know, you're not trying to be something else. This is who you are and what you do. And, and you're 100% authentic about it. Uh, then at a certain point you will reap the rewards of that integrity yes. and that honesty whatever that may be. And that was the same way. That's been the same way with the band. Like when we first started the band, Rachel and I said to each other, you know, once it's not fun anymore, then we do one of two things. We either stop doing it or we attempt to fix it. Right. Uh, and we've done that a few times during the history of the band. And, you know, it's funny is because, because throughout the history of the band, there's been a lot of, uh, uh, large monetary proposals uh, to do certain things that just we didn't want to do. We didn't feel good about it. We didn't want to. We didn't want to forsake any happiness for for a payday. Sure. Again, people might look at that as ignorance, but that's just who we are. Um, again, you know, I think if you if you maintain the course and you maintain your integrity and keep your character intact. And uh, live by uh, like a moral and ethical code. Uh, remain humble, but ambitious, um, and always, always be concerned with the well-being of the people around you. Um, Amen. And I think that I think that you know you, you get rewarded for that. Not that that I expect that, but that just seems to be how life balances itself out. Agreed. Yeah. You know, you and we've can't... been given a great we've been given a great life, man. I mean, I have I have an amazing family. Uh, I I I love our life together. I have amazing friends. Uh, I play in one of my favorite bands, uh, and so you know, I, I I'm I'm really really uh, again. I go back to being lucky and. I'm really uh, humbled by it all yeah. and thankful. You know, you speaking of Doc, you know, you were working with him um, and you came to Tulsa and there was a, a club and a band that you guys were managing. Uh, we're starting to and there was a showcase uh, at a bar called The Other Side and you showed up and there was a, a band called Crooked X. It was the young kids uh, Crooked Love X them. and there was a band that opened up for them. And there was, was a it your band. It was. It was a girl guitar player, 
<laughs> and a guy with a boa on nice. on, ba- on bass guitar. And I, I came up to you, and of course, you know, we're like, oh, I know this is a showcase for these young kids and everything, but we're <laughs> sniff, gonna sniff, sniff, we're sniff. gonna go ahead and give you our CD too. <laughs> we're a band called Down for Five, and we got some pictures with you and everything, hung out. Fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a cool night. And, and she, nice yeah, she said that you were one of, uh, she said that you were one of her guitar heroes and you were like, well, now you're one of mine. <laughs> uh, that, that sounds like something you would say, but how great were those Crooked X kids? I wanted to mention to you real quick there, uh, that the father of, of their, uh, guitar player who unfortunately has passed away. He mentioned, uh, last night when we announced this interview, he said, man, he's such a great guy. And he was such a positive influence on the boys. And we just, we just want to, you know, you know, we were proud, man, that was our Oklahoma boys. And we were cheering them on and just to have you out there, you know, representing them, man, thank you for what you did for those kids. Oh, hey, you're you're very kind to say that. I loved those guys. Uh, I loved their families. Um, I I thought I thought all of them were really, really, really good people. Um, Unfortunately, what happens so many times, and it happened with them too, is that the toxicity of the music business infiltrated their innocence yeah um i wasn't i wasn't involved with them on a day-to-day basis or even i was on the periphery uh that was some other people who were involved with mcgee at the time okay but i wanted to be as supportive as i could because i just gravitated towards them as young guys who were making music and and oh my gosh on on such a much bigger level than i was at that age sure um and uh i just felt that that they had a shot yeah that they had a shot and i think people not by the bands doing but i think people that surrounded them and as i'm not just talking about certain people in management, but there are other people that surrounded them that I think had a really negative influence on the forward trajectory of the band. Mm. Um, I thought I, I, and I had made my, my feelings known to whomever would have listened at that particular point. Um, I felt really bad for them when it started to fall apart obviously tragedy hit the band um and it was uh it was so sad it was so sad and and to to feel that to think about a group of young teenagers um who peaked before they even reached out of their adolescence that's just really sad especially with that talent it is um but I, I I I still have fond memories of those guys, and I I still uh, I still obviously wish them wish them the best in their lives moving forward. Um, I see every once in a while. I see a couple of the guys will pop up here and there online. I'm not a big social media guy, so it's it's really rare for me to 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 see anything on a pop sure. up. <laughs> but uh, they. Uh, Every once in a while, I'll see them pop up, and I'll, I'll see their 
you know, uh, the singer is is like an engineer now, if I'm not mistaken. And I think Forrest, that's right. Yeah. yeah, smart guy. Yeah, Forrest is an engineer, and Jesse you know, they, I I just think that um, you know, it was an unfortunate set of circumstances that it really, really ha- it could have gone a completely different way. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it, it it shouldn't have ended the way it did, of course. We just, we really just wanted to mention to you, thank you for, for being a positive role in their life. And they certainly will, you know, they're beloved in this area and always will be shifting gears on you one more time. It's, we're trying to, I want to get through a lot of stuff in the time we have you. Let's put this up on the screen. This man, we've been touting this uh, documentary on our program lately. Uh, We had John Karabi on, he's on it. You're on this as a key feature. This is called, I want to rock the eighties metal dream. And Dave, I was unaware of the trauma that you'd been through, and you're very open and transparent about that trauma on this on this documentary, because I believe you're going to help some people watching today share a little bit about why it's so important to get help for any trauma suffered by an individual. Well, I mean, <laughs> I remained silent for so long. Uh, I, I started noticing that I had issues with my mental well-being when I was a a kid as early as seven years old, but not being able to identify it or define it, I should say. I just knew that something wasn't right. (laughs) Look at that young little babe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the, uh, it it was one of those things where um, as I got older, it became more and more pronounced and i was raised in an era where you didn't talk about anything like that uh you were left to your own devices to answer all these questions these emotionally related questions why do i why am i sad all the time why do i find no joy in life um why do i uh think i'm the biggest piece of shit on earth Mm. things of that nature no self-esteem no confidence whatsoever uh but you're not allowed to talk about that again i I, am um approaching 60 years old and and so this is the 70s uh when i'm really starting to uh, recognize these different things that are occurring uh, within me, within my, uh, within my brain, within my spirit, my soul. And so I was embarrassed by it because of the way that the public had, uh, presented the mental illness. It was no one wanted to talk about crazy uncle snake. No one wanted to acknowledge that, you know, no one wants to acknowledge that someone in their family might be schizophrenic or suffering from, massive uh manic depression bipolar disorder whatever the case may be and thus there was no there was no real information there was no research and development done uh initially in the 60s when kennedy was still alive and president he started making initiatives to uh to build mental health facilities across the united states and you know his sister had had uh, an issue and i believe she was lobotomized and he believed that there was something more that could be done than than removing a, or, or destabilizing one of uh, part of one's brain and and uh so he had commissioned like over 2000 uh mental health hospitals to be built 
And when he was when he was uh, assassinated, sadly and tragically, uh, there was I, I think there was like seven hundred built, and they were they were occupied. And Lyndon Johnson really didn't have a clue what to do. This is what I've gathered through the years. So if I'm a little bit wrong on the particulars, I apologize. But uh, Lyndon Johnson wasn't aware of, of uh, or not aware. He wasn't inclined in that uh, policy uh, and and uh, invested in it. So after uh, a couple of years, they started closing and these poor people were being put in nursing homes mm-hmm. or out on a street. Hence where a, a homeless problem started with mentally ill people because there was the nursing homes didn't know what to do. Nursing homes were there to care for, you know, older people, the elderly, but they had no uh, uh, education and really no one did, you know, uh, in how to uh, treat uh, mentally ill individuals, uh, whether it's clinical depression or, or bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, whatever the case may be, it all falls under the umbrella of mental illness and wellness. And uh, and so we haven't recovered from that. Yeah. Um, there was an initiative, and that initiative went away when, unfortunately, when JFK went away. And so through all these years, there was no research and development done. There was no money being put towards helping to understand what's going on. And thus, we were left to our own devices, people who were going through this. And when you're left to your own devices with something that is unknown and you can't educate yourself on it, the mind is 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 an incredible uh, uh, organ and incredibly complex. So the, the strangest sort of irony to me, and I realized this later on in my life, was that, you know, somehow you get a broken leg, you go to the doctor to get it fixed. Right. You develop diabetes, you go to the doctor to get treated. But you have mental illness, mm. which is occurring within the most complicated organ of the body. And that you're left to your own devices to figure it out. So true. That's the most, that's the definition of insanity. Absolutely. And, and so as I... I, I was silent by sheer fear of how I would be judged. And thus I created this sort of facade of, uh, you know, this sort of goofy, gregarious personality, um, friend to all. And and uh, I kept the onus off of me as much as possible because I, God forbid, uh, I show a crack in the veneer of what was truly going on. Right. Uh, and then experiencing, you know, at a young age being molested and, and how that impacted me uh, psychologically and emotionally. And uh, again, keeping that silent, uh, basically making it as if it happened to someone else. That was the defense mechanism until finally in like my mid 30s. I just couldn't be silent anymore. And, and I, I told someone that I trusted and, and they didn't betray me or anything, but I, I thought it would make me feel better. and actually made me feel a lot worse because it, that, that was the reality. Uh, it was really did. This was all going on within me. And all of a sudden it made it 
abundantly clear that I had some problems. Yeah. And so, take, go did, ahead. It take, did it take a while um, before the bandmates uh, knew yeah. of this? Did you? Well, so you... yeah, because after. Uh, I was right towards the end of the late 90s. I had kept it really quiet for a long time. Uh, I had never mentioned anything except for one person. But then towards the end of the 90s going into 2000s, I started having really, really bad panic and anxiety attacks. Mm. Uh, I wasn't eating. I was drinking excessively to numb, you know, whatever was going on inside me. And and the bands noticed the 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 physical uh <laughs> degradation that was occurring with me and and um and these constant uh you know I was having three, four of these panic attacks every day that would leave me uh in like a fetal position in 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 a corner of a closet. Mm-hmm. Uh while my band members were living with me and then what when they really uh, they saw me declining and and they were very supportive but they didn't know what was going on and then there was uh two suicide attempts Mm -hmm. and the second one was the, the first one there was nobody home um and and but the second one was the one where it was uh that was the one that was, um, it could have gone either way. Wow. Uh, Rachel found me in the morning in, in lying in bed with my eyes rolled back in my head and two empty pill bottles on the floor and, uh, you know, freaked out, but kept it together enough to call 911 and, uh, you know, get everybody there and, and get them working on me. And luckily for me, we're able to get me out of, a you know, a, a, uh, a situation where, you know, it, it could have easily have gone, uh, in a really bad way. And then, you know, I'm in the hospital and, uh, an emergency room, I'm getting treated on there. And, um, I, I heard, uh, one of my best friend's wives crying right outside where they were working at me. And I realized I caused that I I was the one who uh, had my actions are making that happen right now to that person. But you're just and that's simple. when I first started realizing, mm-hmm. that, you know, oh, wow, people actually do care about me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So that was the first. To be honest, that was the first time I actually started believing that people. And this is how. You know, when you when you are left to your own devices for so long, especially as being a young kid, uh, it's kind of like a repetitive nature, kind of like learning the ABCs. You start formulating reactions to certain situations, thought process to certain situations. But you, if you're not asking anybody about it, um, then you'll come up with your own answers. And so like learning the ABCs, you're repetitive, you're repetitive till it becomes second nature. You don't even think about it. Well, you start developing, I started developing these uh, thought patterns to certain situations. Uh, You know, my brother got drafted into Vietnam. Well, it must be me. He he, he didn't get, you know, all my other brothers grew up with him, but uh, he must be leaving because it must be my fault. 
I must be a terrible person because I'm, I'm I'm young and I'm troubled and I don't know. I don't have the answers and I don't have the guts to ask people for answers because they were raised in a society as well where you didn't talk about it. So sure. it was just this unknown thing. And, sure. uh, and you know, your, your dad, my dad left him when I was very young and would come home a couple times a year to visit. And, well, he must have left because of me because he was around for everybody else, you know? And so as you go on throughout life, that becomes your go-to answer. Yeah. Well, it must be me. And so as a 35-year-old, 40-year-old adult, you're still thinking like that seven-year-old because that's what you're accustomed to. That's sure. what you know. Sure. It's like you're learning ABCs when you're five, five years old, four years old. Well, you thank remember you. them at age 40 because you learned them at five. And yeah, thank you so, for sharing that and being so open about that. I, you know, you're obviously in a, in a much better place now, but you know, just to remind you of how much you're loved. This is one of the things we love about doing this live because we get fan interaction. We have a guy in here named Larry Worley who says one of the most down to earth guys. Wow. He is an absolute influence on me. Thanks for the great music and someone I looked up to for so many years. Jay North also says, wow, Dave, it takes courage to be so open about something like that, that you're being right now. Uh, you're definitely, wow. um, you're an advocate for mental wellness and you're helping people as we speak right now. So thank you so well, much. Well, I hope that's so kind of everybody saying, and I hope so. And and, and I, 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 t I tend to tell really long stories, so I apologize. But you're fine. one of the reasons why... I uh, started to become more open about it was um, one, I got found out and <laughs> I had to come clean. Yes. And, and so that was, and, and that, that was really, really scary. And a lot of people, for a lot of people that's empowering. And I think in a, in a way it was empowering, but I didn't realize that I was still holding on to the fear. Yeah. And, and that was, that was the predominant, emotion was fear as opposed to, Hey, look, you have an opportunity here yeah. to, you know, um, do your research. People are starting to become more aware of it. People are starting to understand that this is a very real illness. Yes. It's, it's a physiological, uh, illness, uh, you know, between, you know uh the the production of mel uh, of serotonin and and dopamine mm -hmm. and you know neurotransmitters misfiring yes. as well as the genetic uh aspect of it as well as just your your chemical imbalances and the, again the way that you process your emotions and how your um how you uh resolve that with the answers that you either make up for yourself, which is what I did for the better part of my life. Or finally, there was a lot of uh, resources available where I could dig into stuff and start understanding this more because I'm the guy who always wants to know why, why this, why that, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Well, there was no answers when I was a kid. There was no answers that, I mean, you know, they were still doing electroshock therapy yeah. when I was and that terrified me, you know, as it would anybody. And so, uh, you know, I didn't want any part of that. Yeah. And it wasn't up until like the last 10 years, um, 10, yeah, where really it, it, people started advocating 
for uh, for this to be taken seriously, and and that it is, you know, when it's when suicide is taking away so many people every year from all walks of life, um, it's it's a problem of of, of epidemic proportion. Sure, uh, it needs to be dealt with from a uh, from a, a viewpoint of compassion and empathy and understanding and education. Yeah. Uh, and so now those things are starting to come together and you see so many more people who are in much more prominent and powerful positions than I ever will be uh, speaking up about their own experiences. And, the, and, and that comes to the point that I'm making is that there's to realize that you are not alone is one of the greatest tools that at least for me to realize that i am not alone in this that there are other people unfortunately a lot of other people but there are other people who go through the same crap and uh so strength in numbers and and you i find some sort of solace in that to know that you know what um there's other people out there that are going through this and they're they're getting help and they're getting answers and the medical uh profession is is paying more attention um to to what this is and not just pushing it under the rug or into the corner or locking it in a closet as as was done for so many you know decades and decades and decades isn't it amazing how you can be in front of thousands of people every single night and you get all this glamour and all this attention and all this stuff and and, and yet you you feel like once you walk off that stage you're the loneliest per- person on the earth you mm. know and 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 then you know your singer uh, your former singer Johnny Solinger was going through some issues himself and um, I'm sure that, like you probably had to think about some things that you know you you did in your in your past and things that you've kind of have had to address. And then you see him go through something like that. And, and perhaps maybe you wish that you would have, uh, were able to help him some, you know, uh, of course. I mean, first of all, he was such a wonderful person. There, there was never an issue about how good of a guy Johnny, Johnny was never sweetheart. I had a lot of great a lot of great memories with him. But there was also the other side of it where no matter how much we approached the issue um he couldn't get help cuz he didn't want it. Right. We I felt that uh, you always feel that you could do more. You always feel that you could somehow be a savior, um, but it, again, it, it, the the idea that look, if a person doesn't want to get help, they're just not going to get help. That's it's right. not going, and it sucks. Yeah, it does. because he left behind a lot of people that love him. Yeah, uh, children that'll never get to spend time with him again. You know. People in this circle uh, in Texas and, and Michigan and, and around the country and even around the world. And it sucks. I hate that we even have to talk about it, but it just it, it shows that 
if if you're not willing to get help, the worst things in life are going to happen. If you're able just to take that one step and reach out your hand and say, man, I need help, then miracles can occur. Yeah, you know, there's, I want to talk about some of your music and it kind of relates to some of this because you guys, it's like there's three elements to Skid Row. You know, you you got you have your heavy hitters. You know, like your, uh, you know, Slave to the Grind, Youth Gone Wild, Gang, the Gang's All Here. You have your ballads, Eighteen in Life. Uh, I I remember you. But then there's an element to Skid Row that's dark, and there's songs that you know put hair, you know, your hair stand up on your arm. And I'm talking Good. like songs, you know, like the October song on the new album is just, it's just. Epic. There's something, there's something tearful about that song, and and as, same with Eileen, and you know, dark and room, and there there's there's these dark element to Skid Row, melancholy, and, and you know, it's it's like a mystery, it's a like mysterious type vibe. Explain a little bit about that vibe. Well, I think there's. I think it all comes down to to a, a few things. Um, your influences growing up again, you know, uh, Rachel and I as as like the, I guess you would call it the predominant songwriters. We were raised similarly. Uh, our environments were similar. The youngest of of a bunch of siblings, uh, and being influenced by the music that was put forth to us by our uh, older siblings and our parents. And so there's just this wide breadth of influences. And so they run every, like I, as much as as much as I uh, I loved um, the heavier stuff um, and I, I love much as I love the pop stuff, I also love the stuff that that made you kind of sit down and and really think and and um kind of make you feel that you have more emotions in you than maybe you gave yourself credit for mm. i love i use the word melancholy i love that feeling. I love melancholy songs. I love um, having my emotions challenged through music brought forth. I love that. It shows you that you're human. Um, and, you know, if you haven't figured it out already, music is was the saving grace for me. I mean, obviously my my family and friends and everything that goes along with that but the the reason why i i started playing music and and uh and and being just completely wrapped up in in music whether it's learning the guitar writing songs just listening and being a fan and uh just getting as much of it as i possibly could was because it was the one thing that offered me an escape uh, I didn't know, obviously, by our conversation, we talked about this. I didn't know how to communicate verbally what I was going through, but I could do it through music. Uh, and so, you know, your experiences in life 
will form what you create, uh, at least for us they do. And so we draw upon a lot of our experiences in life to create, you know, the, the what Skid Row has created. And so, yeah, there, there's, there is a, a definitely a melancholy aspect. Well, one thing I will say is that, at least from our standpoint, from the writer's standpoint, there is always a silver lining within that song somewhere. Always. Uh, at least from our standpoint. Now, maybe we don't articulate that as well as we could have or <laughs> should, but there, from our viewpoint, there is. And, uh, but we, you know what, that's a great thing about music is that it's subjective. Right. Uh, everybody is, uh, um, attaches themselves to music in, in their own way. And I love that. Uh, it's art is open to everybody's own personal interpretation. Certainly. Um, and, you know, us included as the writers, you know, we have our own interpretation of something. But if it means something different to you, that is, uh, that's no less worthy than what it means to me, even though I wrote it. Yeah. And oh, Quicksand Jesus is right there, right there with all of those songs that I mentioned. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's it's amazing. It's like you guys, you can party. You can absolutely, and, and trust me. I grew up listening to you guys when I was a teenager. Your first album came out, and you, you we partied with your music, and and we you know we I mean that song was it forever? Yeah, that, someone mentioned that. That, that should have been a huge hit for you guys yeah. on the first album. I mean, it is a summertime vibe, getting with your first love in the back of a Chevrolet. Hold the whole vibe, you know. But then mm -hmm. there was this. You know, Deep. element of 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 deepness, deepness where you can sit by yourself without anyone parting with you anymore, and you're by yourself listening to Skid Row. You know, that was that's how you can. Ex I expanded with Skid Row. It was I could party with them, I could rock out with them, I could make love to it. I, you know, and then I could sit and think about my life, about things, about you know, this this October song. I mean, we're at the age here where our parents, you know. They don't have long, you know, to go, and, and that song really hits home mm. for people our age, and it's it's kind of scary, and but it's a great song. We well, mean that in a good way. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great I don't song. Know. I, I I get it, and I thank you for that. It's very kind. I, uh, you know, the one thing is, songwriting is a selfish act, and I mean that in the best possible way. Uh, it's selfish be to us. Because we can't write to please other people. This has been said a bazillion times by other writers. You can't write to please other people. You have to write what you feel in your gut is uh, important to you, emotionally uh, moving to you. And you have to be cool with it. And it has to be everything that you want it to be at least for us, before we can sit there and, and have the public figure out what it means to them. Mm -hmm. the, one of the greatest things, and I kind of touched upon this earlier, is that when you, you hope that something that you create can reach somebody in a way 
that you otherwise wouldn't be able to reach them mm. and affect them in some way. And so, so go ahead. Oh, I was wanting to continue. Go ahead. Oh, so it, when when you write any particular song, whether it's you know uh, Quicksand or or October song, to hear that it's made an impact on you or or anybody else. That's the greatest compliment to a songwriter. Um, we're we're never like let's write a hit song. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you a hit song. Uh, I'm not adept at that. That's not my strong suit, and uh, it never was. Songs that became popular of ours um, with the public happened very organically. It just it happened. They weren't written for that particular purpose. They were written for us to be able to express ourselves, uh, because that was the only way that the these awkward dudes, these uh, uh, outcasts, if you will, to a certain degree. It's the only common way we knew how to truly express ourselves. Mm. And so what a great vehicle, um, you know, because of, of the impact that music had on all of us before we even thought about picking up an instrument or singing or doing whatever. Um, and just to kind of continue that um, respect and, and, and tribute to the, to the art of music and the impact it it has on the world. I mean, it, We've traveled enough around the world um, to to see over and over and over and over the positive impact that music has on societies. On um, it supersedes; it's a universal communicator. It supersedes geographical borders, religious borders, political borders. Um, people can be. Uh, at odds with each other over every one of those things, land, power, religion, whatever. But they can uh, they can sit there and listen to a song together and, and, and smile and go, yeah, pretty cool. The power of music is, is unsurpassed by, you, uh, by anything else. You, you guys uh, wrote some songs with uh, Lizzie Hale and Corey Taylor that did not make a Gangs All Here album. You you said in a previous uh, interview that it could perhaps go on uh, the next record. Um, are there any plans for a next record? And if so, how long how long do we got? <laughs> Man, uh, yes, we we've we've written a, a, a few things. Uh, getting Eric involved as well. Um, we've toured quite a bit, and um, so that takes up like we're we're not really adept at writing um, on the road. Yeah. We're pretty crappy at it, actually. One thing that we do do is is we come up with uh, sound check riffs, and we utilize those riffs. And when we have, when we go, okay, let's start writing for the next record, and we'll we'll stop touring for a while and, and really get down to it and start um getting in a room and shutting a door and shutting the phones off and, you know, uh, cranking them out and no more zoom interviews for a while. <laughs> yeah. It's just <laughs> one of those things where you, you know, we we're so old school, man. We just, it's like you, you record these riffs on a dictaphone, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I can remember we, we had built this studio at my house in New Jersey years ago, this big ass studio. And, 
Rachel and I would be in the live room and we'd come up with an idea. And instead of hitting like the tape machine or something like that, we both just like instinctively pulled out our, our dictaphones. That's funny. And, and we looked at each other like, what? We just spent like this crazy amount of money building this studio and we're still dictaphone. So, I mean, <laughs> You know the 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 iPhone is is our dictaphone now. You That's know, right. but um, so it's it's actually really cool to sit there and and be able to get in a room after you're done touring and stuff like that and go back and listen to these riffs and and uh, and you look at the date and you're like, oh my god, all right, that was sound check in Seattle or that was sound check in Boise, and there, there's there's something that attaches itself to that and that helps to. Uh, spur the creative process. It, it kind of reminds me, or reminds you of, uh, as the writer, of where you were at that particular moment when this came to you, and uh, and 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 then potentially what it could be. It's an exciting process. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to be respectful of your time. It's ten past the hour. Uh, it's ten past four. Are you good to hang out a couple more minutes, or do you need to get ready? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Awesome. I appreciate your time. You're, you're the well, best. Well, you had a summer European tour with Kiss. They're at the end of the road tour. I know it's one of it's one of my favorite bands. I know it's one of your favorite bands. It's hard to let them, you know, see them go, but you got to at least uh, be part of the uh, end of the road tour. How did how did those shows go? Oh, they treat us so good, man. It's such an honor to to be a part of it even in such a small way uh, uh, you know i think we're the only band that can uh brag about the fact that we're not only on their first farewell tour but also the last <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, hard to say goodbye <laughs> so yeah you know what i mean look kiss is the common bond uh between the core of skid row and uh and the the magnitude of their influence is uh, on all of us is is impossible to measure. Um, you know, without without Kiss, I could safely say that there would be no Snake, there would be no Scotty, there would be no Rachel. Hmm. Um, they're the band that ignited the fire within our you know in our spirit to let us know that we want to be a part of what they were doing. Like, cause what they were doing was, and is just larger than life, a celebration, an absolute escape from whatever crap is going on in the outside world. It taught me so much. Kiss taught me so much about a number of things. Um, how a band should perform. Great songwriting, great instrumentation. They don't get enough credit. Gene Simmons is one of the best bass players out there. Yeah, yep. uh, never gets enough credit. Right. Excellent songwriting, uh, song structure. Um, again, performance, uh, the visuals, uh, and and just never phoning it in. Like they, these guys are putting on makeup at three in the afternoon, you know, and they're, and they're not done with their whole day until like three in the morning or whatever. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
they they are i mean that's they are committed man they've been committed for since 1971 72 and and that's just incredible um that they their work ethic again you know when you start getting older and 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 uh in the in the business and and you're you're playing in your first bands but you're becoming a little bit more mature you're starting to pay attention to certain things uh, that go on to be able to put that spectacle on. Um, you realize the creativity and the forethought and just the overall work it takes to to pull that off. Yeah. And so we were we were taught through their actions like, you want this? You got to work your ass off for yeah. it. Yeah. All the time. Right. Yeah. Like it just doesn't. You just don't stop working and all of a sudden it just maintains itself. Uh-uh. <laughs> you got to keep, you know, you got to keep going. Yeah. And through the ups and downs and which is what they they've done always. Yeah. I got one more thing and then there's there's some uh some comments that I would like for okay. to be read to you. Um Beatles uh the last song. I don't know if uh, you got the chance to hear it and see the video and it was I believe John Lennon was uh, AI generated, you know, from a song of a, a demo that they kind of had to pull that out uh through AI. What are your thoughts on on that and uh, did you get a get a chance to listen to the song and see the video? I'm afraid uh right now. I got to ease my way into that one. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's I make no judgments because I haven't heard it, and you know, I mean, but it's the Beatles. It's like, how how do you judge the Beatles? It's like, you know, they could uh, uh, fart on a roller coaster and it'd be fun. You know, it'd be, <laughs> the Beatles, right? It'd be great. It's just they have uh, such an inherent greatness to them. They're they're just have always been masterful songwriters inside and outside of of the of the Beatles. So. I can only imagine it being great. And even if there's a part of me that says it's not, I'm going to say that it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the video is pretty trippy. Uh, you know, it just kind of shows them all together. their young selves and it just looks real like they're in the same room together. Uh, and, um, you know, even, um, you know, Paul McCartney's younger self is right in the same room with his older self, you know, and uh, it's, it's pretty trippy. Yeah. Um, but it's a great video. It's a great song. And, uh, and the last ever, but uh, let's get I'll, some comments. I'll, I'll get to it for sure. I, I, you know, it's one of, again. It's like you go to hit the play button for me, and I'm like, oh god, I hope <laughs> this is, you know, I don't want this to be the worst thing that I've ever seen in my right. life. You know, so you want to basically protecting their own legacy, in my own brain, really. Of course, and yeah. it, it, sure, it's full hearted, but uh, I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> I got to read. Yeah, like Scott said, we got to read some some viewer comments. Snake, I know you said you don't do a lot of social media, but if you get a wild hair and you happen to be on Facebook or, you know, can check out the Tulsa Music Stream, you've got so much love going in here. It'd be kind of fun for you to get to read through all these. But well, thank you. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Yeah, absolutely, that. dude. Our, our buddy Larry Worley, he's such a good guy. I have to read this to you. He says, Skid Row definitely affected my life in a big way, and I w and was the influence that impacted my musical career to this day. I'm so thankful for them, and I hope Dave gets a chance to hear that. So I had to read that to you. Uh, Tracy, that makes everything worthwhile. Now, I mean, hearing it, stuff like that yeah. makes everything worthwhile. And that's, 
like again going back to the very beginning of when you when I started first playing and writing songs that's what you wanted you wanted you wanted to be able to touch people in a positive way and it wasn't you know a lot of there's so many artists out there that say oh I did it for the chicks and the money and the drugs <laughs> yeah well I didn't do it for any of that I don't do drugs uh, I mean I I drink and I I love to get a good buzz going but I didn't do it for that and I didn't do it I, I didn't do it for the quote unquote chicks, which is derogatory. I'm sorry to say that, uh, but it's as it was referred to back in the day. Right. I didn't do it for for you know female companionship. I was terrified of of women growing up uh, and any sort of uh, uh, intimacy, if you will. I was sure. terrified. <laughs> so it wasn't that. And it definitely wasn't money because, you know, you, you had everybody around you telling you, like, look, one in a million people make it and they barely make it. And, you know, there's, it's not a great career choice, which only obviously inspires you to want to do it more. Of course. But uh, the the reasons that 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 I started doing this and continue to do it is from, because of what I just heard in that comment. Well, and then, you know, I think the portion of our discussion today about about mental wellness has really impacted some people. Laura Bachette says, you're a beautiful mess and still loved by your fans. Thanks for being so open with your life. We just look at you as a rock star. Didn't know about the dark side. I And I, for one person, I, for one, am personally extremely excited that we still have you and your music. Amen to that. Uh, Jack, Jack Stovall says there are a lot of people out here that do care. Rock on. Tracy Robinson says your openness will hopefully show someone out there struggling that there is still hope and light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Scott, do you have anything That's else on goal. your side? That's the goal. That's uh, the goal. Yes, sir. Marty Overby says, well, time for me to head out, but um, I got to run across the river to get something that I left at a club. Um, <laughs> I doubt if uh, Dave... Um, remembers me me uh me but i first met him briefly backstage in phoenix at veteran memorial coliseum in september 1986 and and april 1989 at compton terrence uh i am friends with danny bon Jovi. yeah i am friends with danny zalisco and zalisco one of the best promoters in the history of the business really Interesting. Yep. And I was able to get an after-party pass. You got to understand, Marty Overby is a Tulsa legend. They call him Party Marty. And an so, after-party pass. So wait, you were allowed to come in after the party was over? Apparently. So he's not in the chat room anymore, so we can't ask him. But something crazy must have gone down. But but man, I there's there's just a bunch more love in here, and this has just been a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful interview. Scott, if you don't have anything else, I think we can start you know, wrapping I, it up. I don't. Um, I had a Sebastian Bach question, but I think we're eh, good. We're good. We're good. That's been covered enough. Yeah. You know, while while we're talking about the uh, the current, let's put this up one more time. This is what it's all about, y'all. The gang's all here. If you haven't heard it yet, get out from under your rock. Go pick up a copy. Make sure you guys go to skidroad.com. That's where you're going to find all the latest and greatest information about the band. You guys are getting ready to do more dates in December. And those dates are on the website. And, and be watching for that third leg of the uh, tour with Buck Cherry. 
you are a delight and thank you so much for being such a cool guy we do thank you for your humility and willingness to give us so much time today you got any last words for your fans out there well i'm i and we as a band are incredibly thankful for for everybody who supported us because they've given us the opportunity to have a history and not only have a history but uh to be able to create new music and they've been so supportive and a pre uh, uh vocal about the the new record and uh the gangs will hear and and eric our singer um so it's it's inspiring uh, to be able to have that support system. And, you know, I have to thank people like you all too, who are keep waving the flag high and proud and, and, uh, yeah. and offering a, uh, a platform for, for guys like me to be able to come and babble for a little while. Man, we're here for you anytime, buddy. You're a good soul. I wish, there were, I wish there were more people like you in the industry because then it would be a better industry. And, and I think of Rachel of being an angel for, oh. for, for, for pulling you up off the floor. And, uh, I do too. I do too. All right, man. We love you. Have, you, a, you. have a great night. Have a great weekend. We'll see you out there on the road. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. You too, thank buddy. you for your time. Thank you, thank sir. You. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Man, he gave us so much time. God love him. Yeah. What a great guy. Didn't get know. to didn't get to some questions, but I think we got to the important stuff, don't you? Hey, I you know, Whew. once once he's just started kind of going, I mean, just it just basically just like you know you it hand you hand the football off to someone and then they <laughs> run it in for the touchdown. Oh man, I love guests like him because they they just uh, give you so much good stuff. Yeah. And, and we appreciate each and every one of you guys for sticking sticking with us uh, through throughout that um, stream. Um, as always, um, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit like and uh, share our stream if you're on Facebook and, of course, Twitter. We appreciate each and every one of you guys that are watching on whatever platform you're watching on. Yeah, and don't forget, if you like audio and audio is your thing, this episode and all of our other episodes are and will be uploaded to Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Let's talk real quick. We know this has been a long one. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure if you came in halfway through, go back and watch the whole thing. This this was definitely one of our best yet. What do we have coming up? Well, Thursday, November 16th at 5 p.m. Central. David. Dave Ellison of Death Kings of Thrash and formerly Megadeth will be on with us, and we are looking very forward to that conversation. Make sure you mark your calendar Thursday, November 16th at 5 p.m. Central here on Tulsa Music Stream. We want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Psychomo Filmworks, DEB Concerts, Okie PC, Shipman Photos, and Identity Merch. We do appreciate them and their continued support of our program. I don't have anything else unless you do. I think we can let these good people go and have their weekend. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And um, like she said, uh, we're five away. We're five away from our big 100 uh, episode. We don't know what we're going to do. Um, anything big? grandos i mean i, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know we don't know we don't know what we're gonna can do can we get paul stanley yeah mm. well i don't know i guess like a celebration of some sort maybe yeah. um on our stream and um we appreciate each and every every one of you guys for for getting us to to that was our 95th episode and we're five away to 100 Amazing. and we were trying to get to a thousand subscribers on youtube 
And if, it, like I said, if you guys can help us share, share this interview, share the stream, talk to your friends in the bars, the clubs, where, the restaurants where you guys go, yeah. tell them to come to Tulsa Music Stream and check us out. If they're into the music and hard rock, heavy metal stuff that we're into, um, we always have some really cool interviews and we haven't really had too many not many bad ones at all i mean really they've all been pretty decent and pretty cool in their own right absolutely and so i want to keep that tradition going we like to do them live that way you guys can um, come in and interact and ask questions we can read the questions and have your um your stuff pop up on the screen like that and in case we can't get to all of them yeah, we, we do go back and read these guys and we we so appreciate i mean without y'all there's no show so thank you for watching larry worley you are welcome tim montfort good, good to see you in here scott voss thanks for sharing your amazing story that was for dave so much love and respect to you hope to see you in illinois in 24 i bet you will seagull rock squat great interview thank you you're i i don't recognize that name maybe you're a newbie in here welcome thank you for watching Julie Martindale, Martindale, good show. Thanks, honey. Good to see you in here again. Larry Worley, glad we got those questions and comments in for you. You're a good soul. Uh, Larry Ford, good interview as always. Larry, thank you for how much you support us, all the shares you give us. You are awesome to us. Thank you. Jack Stovall, love you guys. Thank you both. I've learned so much from your amazing guests. Love it. Keep up the amazing work. Look forward to seeing you soon. We're doing our job. If you guys are enjoying this and having a good time and learning things, then we're doing our job. That's it, guys. We love you guys. We're going to see you back here real soon. Remember to tune in Thursday, November 16th at 5 p.m. Central for Dave Ellison. Megadeth. Death and Kings of Thrash as well. Kings of Thrash. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon.